Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. After the Apocalypse, a pandemic survival story. Season 1, Episode 6, Anarchy. Janet glanced back at the nose of the Range Rover sticking out from behind the dumpster. She regretted having to leave it. It had become the center of her world since fleeing the city the day before. A safe harbor. A den-like space, comfortable and familiar, where she had control. It couldn't be helped. She needed fuel. She needed food and supplies. She walked past the back doors and loading docks and turned the corner to the outdoor gardening and landscape area of the big box store, looking for a way to get in. On a gate in a chain-link fence yard, a sign read, Yard and Garden. If there were gas cans and garden hoses, they'd be down this end of the store. How would she get to them? The store was obviously closed. There was no one here. Should she try to break in? She was who she was. The moral certainty of 15 years of law practice wasn't going to go away easily. She was frankly conflicted about breaking into the store. At this point, the dark dreamscape of fleeing the city seemed like it might have happened to someone else. She remembered the bodies in the road, the sick people in the burning buildings with broken windows. But she hadn't managed to process it quite yet. With the sickness still lingering in her and the adrenaline of the drive, how much of that was real? Was that just an isolated riot? Was that a momentary burp in the civil fabric that cities experience once in a while when under duress from outside forces like Watts or Chicago? Some terrible convulsion of violence that would peak and subside. It couldn't be like that everywhere, could it? Even out here in suburbia? If she did find a way to get inside, she'd be violating the law trespassing at a minimum, more likely breaking and entering. Larceny. She had spent her adult life using the laws as a hammer and those doctors and hospitals that took advantage of the sick and vulnerable. How could she blithely ignore it now? Through the chain link, she could see rows of shrubs and pallets of bagged mulch. It was quiet. She'd have to get a closer look. She wasn't going much further without fuel, and she wasn't in any condition to walk the next couple hundred miles. 
She noticed a pallet of bagged lawn fertilizer sitting against and just outside the fence. After some consideration, she climbed the bags, using them like a staircase to mount the fence and ease herself down the other side into the retail yard. If that's all it takes to get into the property, I'm surprised they have anything left here, she thought to herself. She looked around, but there was still no sign of anyone. The registers near the gate stood unattended. Only sparrows moved among the outdoor shelving. She continued to the side entrance that led from the outside retail yard into the store. Hello? She tested the large sliding glass doors and peered into the blackness of the store. She offered a few tentative raps on the glass with her knuckles, her wedding ring making a metal-on-glass tack-tack-tack sound, but it seemed obvious that there was no one here. The power was down, so the automatic doors were going to be anything but automatic. These wouldn't be regular glass doors, either. She knew that from her knowledge of liability laws. Tempered glass and probably laminated, hard to break. She was at a turning point now. The only way in was to force or break the doors. She considered this. It was a bit of a Rubicon moment for her. If what she had been through in the city was an anomaly, she was about to become no better than a looter in a riot. She shook her head and decided it had to be done and argued with herself. I can plead circumstance and pay them back. They've certainly got bigger fish to fry. Looking around for something to use to break the glass doors, she settled on a six-foot metal fence post. There were bundles of them stacked between two pallets of flowering roses. The tools of the door's destruction, and maybe hers, nestled in the sweet-smelling blooms. Sweet-smelling or not, they were heavy and pointed and should be able to break a hole in the glass. Hefting a fence post, she backtracked to a display by the registers and pulled on a thick pair of new work gloves. Her hands would probably be getting a lot tougher, but they weren't there yet. How to actually break the doors with a fence post took some real figuring out. She first tried to pry them open using the metal fence post as a lever, and that wasn't going to work. She'd have to break out one of the glass panels in the door. Backing up a few steps, she ran the door like a medieval knight jousting. With each lunge, she'd stop and listen as the loud bangs echoed through the quiet yard and sent the sparrows flying in panic. Each time, even as she took a beat to gather herself and listen, no one was there. She began to develop a rhythm with her charges, and on the fifth lunge, the glass cracked. She carefully collapsed the laminate until she had enough space to crawl through, but not before grabbing a nearby push broom and sweeping the broken glass into a pile off to the side. No sense creating a liability problem she thought instinctively. The store was dark as a crypt. Even at this end, with the light filtering in from the yard, the interior of the store quickly dissolved into a black void. She waited, listening. <laughs>
There were small noises in the store, rustlings and cracking, smelled of disinfectant and dust. Janet inched forward as her eyes adjusted enough to make out the aisles. She wished she had a flashlight. Then she remembered her phone and fished it out of the side pocket of her yoga pants. Yoga pants? She thought incredulously. She needed better clothes. What would be good for roughing it? Jeans? Overalls? Probably not yoga pants. Yoga probably isn't on the agenda, she stated, still trying to transition mentally from the normal world of a couple of weeks ago to the reality facing her today. She knew her phone was worthless as a phone, but she could still use it as a flashlight. She couldn't help but look at it. No network connection, the display said with a red exclamation point. No nothing. She thought, who would she call anyway if she had a signal? Who was left? Not Jim and the kids. They were dead in the apartment. She had to brace herself again as a wave of grief surged and receded. Maybe her parents. That's where she was headed, a small town on the South Carolina side of the state line, between Grenville and Asheville. That's where she grew up. She'd find out in a couple of days if she could just get some fuel. The great blackness of the store seemed to swallow the white circle of light projecting from her phone. She felt small in the darkness. As she moved forward, shapes appeared suddenly out of the gloom like apparitions, only to resolve into lawnmowers and wheelbarrows. The fear of a lone human in an unknown dark place making machines into monsters. She tripped over a sign and fell face first into the flooring, dropping her phone in the process. Panicking, she scrambled to her feet and found the wayward device. She wanted to get out of here, but she needed those gas cans. After a few passes through the aisles in the section, she found them. The big, red, five-gallon plastic containers with spouts that she had been looking for. Score, she said quietly, as if not to awaken the monsters living in the dark place. Next, uh, find some hose. She had an inspiration and looked around with her light in the area of the gas cans and was delighted to find one of those siphoning hoses with a big plastic bulb you squeeze to create the suction. That would save her from having to get a mouthful of diesel. Double score, she said, maybe a bit louder this time as she was getting used to the situation. It didn't look like anyone had been in the store since they closed it up. The products were still neatly stacked on shelves and hung on hooks, like some sort of darkened shrine to suburban America. Janet patted her way back to the outdoor section of the garden center with the cans and siphon hose and carefully lowered them over the fence. Before climbing over, she turned back to face the store. It seemed safe enough. Quiet enough. She figured she should see what else she could find. She was already on the hook for larceny. What's the harm now? She argued with her better self that she would only take what was needed, nothing more. As she moved back towards the store, 
She thought she might have heard the sound of a vehicle. She couldn't tell from what direction, maybe the highway behind her. It was hard to tell now that the wind had picked up. Looking at the sky, it seemed like a storm might be approaching. There were dark clouds rolling up from the southwest. Despite her weariness, she pushed to the portal of shattered glass once again. She thought the void looked just as dark and impenetrable as before, maybe more so with the approaching storm, but it somehow seemed less threatening the second time around. That's how fear worked. Fear thrives mostly in the unknown. Still, the long, dark aisles seemed to press in on her like the lid of a coffin. This would be a bad place to get caught, she thought. It was designed to funnel traffic and maximize shelf area, but now felt more like a series of box canyons to be trapped in. She made her way through the toys and electronics into the sporting goods section. She shined her light into a display case loaded with box of ammo. Another had some hunting knives. She thought better of breaking into it. She could argue the need for fuel, but what jury would sympathize with her breaking into a locked weapons display? That's something that a looter would do. She sighed and moved on. Let's see if there's any food or water left, she said out loud, but in a hoarse whisper. Surely the taking of food would be justified in this circumstance. She was deep into the dark store now as she made her way to the furthest end of the grocery section. Most of the water and food had been cleared from the shelves in those few days when people knew what was happening but didn't know how bad it was going to get. Classic panic buying. Milk, bread, eggs, and toilet paper. A lot of good milk and bread are going to be to dead people, she thought. A couple of liters of water and some apple juice were all she could find. Better than nothing. In the next aisle, there were some cans of nuts and coconut milk. Good, calorie-dense food. Would last a while, too. Finally, with an additional bag of chips clutched under one arm, she figured she would get back to the safety of the Range Rover. Then she heard it. A low rumbling from out in the front of the store. She froze and listened as the sound grew louder and more distinct. Janet froze and focused as she heard it accelerate across the parking lot, heading for the store. There was a terrific crunch as a pickup truck smashed into and through the front doors of the store. She hit the floor and tensed. There was a second sound of truck doors opening as a man whooped in celebration. Holy crap, holy! I told you it would work! He sounded drunk. Yeah, it worked, but we're going to need a new truck. Don't worry, Hoss. There's thousands of new trucks out there. What color do you want? The other man laughed. I'll take a bright orange one with the stars and the stripes. You got it, man. Ready to do some shopping? KJ frantically switched off the flashlight in her phone and groped her way back towards safety. These guys were the real deal. They made her breaking and entering look like child's play. She needed to get out of there. Should she drop the goods she had scavenged to make a faster getaway? No, the men didn't know she was here, and dropping stuff would make more noise anyhow. Her heart was racing, and she was breathing hard now. It took everything she had to suppress a cough 
as the heavy breathing brought phlegm up from the recovering lungs. Her eyes watered as she squeezed down the spasms. The light from the garden-centered doors reflected yellowish in her eyes. She stayed low, trying to be as quiet as she could. Through the cracked door, she pushed her hall and crawled out behind it. She made her way quickly through the yard to the fence. Carefully, she dropped her goods onto the fertilizer bags to deaden the impact, climbed over the fence, and made her way hurriedly towards the dumpsters. She gently eased the hatch of the Range Rover open and threw in her stash. She slid behind the wheel and closed the door softly. The quiet click of the door latch was like music to her ears, as she was now back in her safe space. But she was not yet in the clear. What to do next? They didn't know she was here. She could just hunker down in the car and wait for them to go. But that didn't feel right to her. She didn't like being in a corner and having to make defensive decisions. Her life had been one of being in charge and on the offensive. She knew she didn't want to meet them. Clearly, they were out of control. All her equivocating around her own larcenous acts looked silly now. This was a full-on loss of control. Anarchy. Janet gritted her teeth and turned the key of the ignition. The big diesel caught it was quiet for a big car. Besides, they were inside the store, hopefully as inebriated as they sounded. They probably wouldn't even know she was ever here. Gingerly, she rolled the car around towards the front and peeked around the corner. The ass end of a pickup truck was sticking out of where the front doors of the store should be, broken glass and scattered inventory around it like grave goods. She still needed fuel. The low fuel light told her that she had 10 to 20 miles of easy driving left before it would be critical. Hopefully, that truck was dead. Because if they chased her, who knows how far she could get. Might have been a safer bet to hide behind the dumpsters than to deal with those yahoos in the middle of nowhere with a Range Rover dead. But she was committed now. Just then... One man came staggering out of the hole in the store where the truck was impaled. He tripped and fell to his knees and rose again, trying to run. A second man emerged behind him, holding what looked like a pistol. She held her breath. The man in pursuit was screaming, some expletive-filled rant about who was the boss. Then he raised his arm, pointed at the back of the companion's head, and shot. He shouted something else as the first man crumpled to the pavement. In her horror, Janet stomped on the gas and made for the parking lot exit, instinctively ducking, as though she expected bullets to come crashing lethally through the back window, like in the movies, but nothing came. A quick glance back showed the man waving his gun arm at her in an almost befuddled way. Was this the new world? Men behaving like animals? No consideration for laws or morality? Was it like this everywhere? She had been worried about stealing some mixed nuts, and this man just committed a murder as though it was nothing. This was a new world. She was going to have to face it. She was going to have to harden herself up. She was going to have to change her assumptions before she became the victim, before she found herself face down in a parking lot with a full force of a bullet to the back of her head. No, she shouted out loud and 
emphatically as the Range Rover vibrated, as if she were giving herself an order. Janet Kramer is never the victim. As the storm clouds gathering to the southwest darkened the road, the realization that what happened in the city wasn't a fluke settled into her psyche. It wasn't that the world and the people that she loved were dead. This world was far from dead. This world was dangerous. Dangerous with the unbridled violence of the most insidious of beasts. She had beaten the disease. But now she had to beat the sad remnants of humanity, too. She turned back onto the street and accelerated away into the darkening horizon. Hello, my friends. This is Chris, your producer. Janet's having a bad week, huh? Yeah. So thank you for staying with us. You've made it through episode six now. And like I said last week, I would love to continue producing a show a week. Uh, But I can only do that with your support. Unlike the survivors in the apocalypse, I can't just break into the superstore to get what I need for the show. I have to pay for it. So help me out. Go to patreon.com after the apocalypse and throw me some cashola so that we can continue to buy the provisions that allow us to survive the the podcast apocalypse. And I do want to thank you for listening, though. I appreciate it. I see that several people took the time to give me good reviews on iTunes. I appreciate that as well. It's good reviews, or actually reviews at all. They drive the algorithms. So the other thing you can do, if you want, is to share the Acast or the iTunes or however you listen to it. Share those links for the show out onto your social media. Help me get some eyeballs. That would be great. And together, my friend, we can survive. If we can keep it going and get a community spun up, who knows? Who knows what can happen, right? We could create some more content around this, around the universe, maybe some fan art, a graphic novel, a blockbuster Hollywood film with Brad Pitt as the old man. What do you think, huh? You in? All right. So I love this genre, right? This last man alive in the apocalypse story form. So there was a movie in 1964 called The Last Man on Earth, starring Vincent Price, and it was filmed in Rome. So most of the actors are actually speaking Italian, and they're dubbed over in English. But you can watch it on YouTube. The film was based on a novel from 1954, a post-apocalyptic novel called, wait for it, I Am Legend. Yes, And that is the updated version that Will Smith made in 2007. Based on the same novel, Hollywood just keeps recycling these stories. And another good one made from the same novel is The Omega Man, starring good old Charlton Heston in 1971. Same story, a bit more mod for the 70s. Um, And you'll remember Charlton Heston. He was the guy in the first Planet of the Apes movie from 1968. He loved a good apocalypse movie. And 1968, by the way, 
Same year was also when the classic Romero film, Night of the Living Dead, was released. So in those days, there were a lot of apocalypse dramas because of the Cold War, and everyone thought the end of the world was pretty close. And you can see that you and I are traveling a well-worn path, but I think the apocalypse is still relevant today, relevant as ever. And I would love to hear your feedback. All the links are in the show notes. So please enjoy your week, help the show if you can, and keep surviving. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 